We are SC Podcast Sunday Morning Cornerback Edition. Gary Pasquist joined by Daryl Rideau. And, uh, Daryl, we're going to recap the Washington State game uh, played on Friday night. And so, obviously, uh, have had a chance to digest this for, for a day and a half and to uh, take in what happened. And so go ahead and give us what the uh, top-of-mind takeaways are for you. You know, Gary, and um, I think the title of our show, Sunday Morning Cornerback, is um, – is well well taken and well deserved for a week like this because first thing that comes to mind for me is perspective. You know, uh, naturally when you think about the ranking of USC going into a game against Washington State on the road on a short week of a back-to-back road game, you think that okay, a top five team going up against you know another top twenty-five team uh, clearly advantage should be going to USC. But when you start to think about all of the elements that they had to overcome, I got the sense that as the game started to build its momentum and, you know, certain situations weren't going the way that they had gone breaks in terms of breaks in weeks past, Gary, that this was going to be a tough road for USC to have to overcome. And at the end of the day, uh, my takeaway was that they ran up against an energetic Washington State team and they just couldn't manufacture enough points or production to overcome some of the adverse situations that they, they place themselves in. And, and I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Let's stay on that defensive side of the ball first because I, I really think, you know, 30 points for Washington State, and they were averaging in the 40s before that. But when you're talking about a defense that is on the, play, on the field for 81 plays, uh, t- t- talk about that. I think the defense gave the, the USC offense a chance to win the football game. Um, there were. No, I, I understand that Luke Falk was good, and he threw for 340 yards, whatever it was. Um, yeah. He's good, but I honestly thought there was a couple timely runs that they got that were yeah. as impactful as anything. Yeah, you, you know, look, uh, 2002 was uh, prior to, to this past game was the last time that a USC team lost um, mm-hmm. to Washington State at home um, up at the Palouse. I played in that game, Gary. I remember what it felt like. Now, at the time, you know, we may not have been on the field for 80 plays, but you couldn't have told us any different. And the reason being is because when you go up against a team with an air raid attack that constantly sends track athletes down the football field, they go off the field and then they're rotating in more athletes. And you're huffing and puffing and trying to make your way back to the huddle. By the time you turn around and catch your breath, it's time, you know, the ball is being snapped again. And then by the time you, you jog back down and you look up, you're trying to make sure that you, you got the necessary check because that stadium starts to get loud as the offense builds momentum. And what I, and from my observation, um, you know, USC ran some nickel and dime packages, three and four corners, in some cases five corners or six corners, or defensive backs that is. Uh, you know, and some of these guys aren't accustomed to playing next to one another and communicating nonverbally. So, you know, so when you start factoring in these elements and you saw the type of success that USC had, you almost want, you're hoping that the offensive side can sustain longer drives to keep them off the field, you know. But kudos to the way that the defense played. For There were was, there was several spurts where when, when this team needed plays, guys like Nchunung Usu stepped up made a crucial interception inside of the five-yard line that led to points, you know. Uh, and I know we're going to talk more about that. But it's plays like that and it's that 
extraordinary effort from uh, the individuals within the system that gives SC a puncher's chance every game. But when, Gary, let's face it, when you're on the field for 81 plays, I don't care who you are, if your rotation is thin, um, it's going to take its toll on you. And that's what I noticed in this game. And you mentioned about giving the offense a chance of sustaining drives. I think that's one of the things we did not see in this game. And coming into it, it's been one of the things with this offense that has been a problem in recent weeks. And Clay Helton coming into the Washington State game said, hey, we, we, we got to work on our third down efficiency, and we got to capitalize when we're in the red zone with touchdowns, not with field goals. Yeah. And I think if you look at those two stats, 2-11 and 11 on third down conversions – and then I know that there was it was four for four scoring in the red zone, but two for four on touchdowns and field goals. Yeah. And the two that were field goals were, were, were the critical ones, as you just said. Nuwusu getting the interception on the three yard line and having to settle for a field goal right there, and then getting the shank punt at the twenty seven, and also right. having to settle for the field goal. It, it just seemed like those mo- mo- momentum shifts and not being able to take advantage. Let's talk about those for a second because I want to talk about the third downs first. Um, what is it from the USC running game that has been missing in the last couple of weeks? Ronald Jones was back for this game. He ran the 86-yard touchdown. That was beautiful. But outside of that run, there really wasn't a lot of success. What are you seeing in the Trojan running game that just isn't working like we were hoping it would work right now? Well, Besides the injuries on the <laughs> offensive line. <laughs> yes, uh, and that, that is the obvious, so I'll avoid that. And, I, and I'll give you one of perspective, Okay. Here's what I'm observing first and foremost going into every week. I am getting sick and tired of Coach Helton loving up the opponent and talking about how every time they step on the field, they got to match wit for wit against the opponent, put up points, settle for points instead of settling for field goals because of who they're going up against. That, to me, is the talk of, of a less or an inferior talented team. When you are USC, you force teams to adjust to you, okay? And throughout the game, you make those necessary adjustments. So it's state of mind, okay? There are times when I, I think that that this offense gets away from the identity that they want to create, which is a power game. And there are many ways that you can get in the power. The obvious is to place a fullback on the football field and in those critical situations, run the ball effectively with power, okay? But if you want to loosen up the defense, then you really do have to get tight ends involved. you got to get the running backs flared out and keep them involved in the passing game, which forces the field to widen. And when you widen the field and you get those linebackers outside of the box in between the, 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 the slot receiver and the tackle, that creates wider running lanes, which affect guys like Rojo and Stephen Carr, that makes them more effective. But we, we're not seeing that right now. We're seeing USC lining up in, in – certain obvious formations, and the defense is licking their chops. Um, and aside from that, I'm seeing a lot of missed blocking assignments at the point of contact. So the defenders are playing in USC's backfield, okay? But there are other ways that you can generate the same type of power, Gary. I'd like to see more run-pass options with Darnold. I thought he was very effective in this game. And when you're trying to manufacture yardage, you can sometimes take advantage of a guy who, who's, um, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 240 pounds, and, you know, someone like Darnold. What, what do you say to the train of thought that is out there right now about Sam uh, pressing, feeling the load of the team on his shoulders right now? Uh, where do you see that coming into play on the field? 
Oh, you mean Sam Atlas Darnold? <laughs> uh, carrying USC's universe on his shoulders, uh, being called on throughout the week, discussions of Heisman, um, you know, these extra interviews, and in the game, because he's not always certain as to who's going to be out there, uh, aside from uh, Deontay Burnett, I get the sense that Darnold at times, the pressing, in my opinion, comes from him feeling as though he has to make the perfect play every time which means that he's forcing balls into tight windows, things that he got away with when he had savvy and experienced receivers last season, such as uh, Rodgers and uh, Juju or Smith, Smith Schuster. But when you don't have those type of players on the field and, and your, your number one tight end is, you know, has yet to make his debut into, in, you know, for long um, stints of the season, you do feel like Sam Darnold is pressing Gary and, Teams are starting to notice that. So what they're doing is, again, they're constricting his windows, trying to force him to throw across the middle where they can disrupt the timing and rhythm of some of these routes. And without, you know, somebody of a, a, a big frame, you're throwing to, you know, six one guys across the middle. That is not always the best recipe if you're trying to really, you know, create balance within this offense and take pressure off of your quarterback so that he can make rhythm plays as opposed to making perfect plays and then how much do you think it might have impacted things with the reality of what happened down there on the offensive line so you're talking injuries and injuries are already slowed things Deontay Burnett obviously was not a hundred percent himself uh the other night he was banged up with the shoulder there was no Stephen Mitchell uh no Daniel Imitorbebe as you said that that's as big as anything um but when you lose in a very quick span, you, you know, Toa Lobendon doesn't travel, and then you lose two other offensive linemen very quickly. Daryl, there's no way that those five offensive linemen out there have practiced together before. So when you're talking about on the defense about nonverbal communication, how much does that impact things when all of a sudden you're hit with that at the very beginning of the football game? You, you know, if you were ever to, to, to ask an offensive lineman, you know, to go out clubbing and dancing, likely you would probably find them, before they go to a hip-hop club, you would probably find them at one of these bars where they do a lot of line dancing. The reason why is because familiarity breeds content. These guys are accustomed to having chemistry with the person next to them, understanding their movements and their nuances. So when you throw someone else in who, is, who, who isn't accustomed to being aside you, you can get away with that sometimes in the Coliseum where Sam can quiet the crowd. But on the road, when your trust in the person next to you that he's deciphering information the same way you are and that you guys are seeing the same things, you cannot understate the value of chemistry. But when you take that away in that element, yes, that leads to Donald pressing. Yes, it impacts the running game no matter what you say or anyone says for, for that matter. That is why I think sometimes Darnold kept the ball and he ran, and he was very effective because he saw how hard those ends were crashing down in the running game. So it's a head-scratcher that SC is dealing with so many injuries, but it's no different than me driving from Orange County into L.A. The more, the more miles I put on my car, the more the tread wears down, and eventually it's going to blow a tire, just like this USC offense. It's being asked, without a bye week, it's being asked to do a lot. And so eventually injuries start to creep up. Now, we hope that these are not long-sustaining injuries and that they can recover from it. But 
that was a tough order to replace two to three offensive linemen throughout the game and, and expect them to be performing at such a high level. And then even with that, uh, um, over the last day and a half on, on the WeRSC message boards, the, the number one point of contention and point of discussion has, has been the thought of the offensive play calling. And, and there are some pretty pointed questions, Daryl, and so I'm going to hit you with a couple. Um, n- number one would be the, the flea flicker that was called. The, the first quarter of the football game, that, the first drive for the Trojans was beautiful. And, and actually things had a rhythm to them early on. And it seemed like the flea flicker that didn't work um, got you a penalty, got you an injured offensive lineman. And more than anything, it just seemed like things got a little disjointed after that. And then it just seemed like that rhythm never got back into the play calling. What did you see the other night? I saw the same thing. You know, um, I, I, or at least I would have to agree with, with, with many of, of the message board uh, questions about the effectiveness of the cadence of the play calling. Things like that that may be written in, you're SC. You don't need to do that. You really don't. And it's never really worked for this, uh, this uh, regime of coaches. Um, these trick plays, these gadget plays have never really been necessary. In, in addition to that, I, I am starting to wonder if the, the, the way that the calls are starting to come in are based upon who's available. Because there was a, there was a timeout that was taken, I think it was by Washington State. And it was an extended timeout because they led into a commercial, Gary. But then USC comes back and they run the ball and just lose a lot of momentum. And, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's plays like that, the timing of these plays, that, that gets you wondering if, you know, if it's a matter of uh, the relationship between T. Martin and, and Tyson Helton or if it's, a, if it's the, the circumstances that this team has dealt with and them kind of dialing back plays that they may have previously designed for specific players. And what I mean by that is, and this is this is a, a thought well um, that I've been thinking about for some time now. When you start losing key players, oftentimes when you bring in backups, you bring those backup in under packages, and certain plays are designed for those packages. So it just occurred to me that when we see a play that's an outlier play, I'm wondering if it, that's a special package play that they had to speed up as a result of some of the injuries or some of the rotations um, within the skill position. And that makes sense. There, there was another series that uh, when Nuwusu had the interception uh, at the three-yard line. And uh, for old-school USC football fans, Daryl, the, the thought of punching it in from that point, that, that's when you call on SC Power football. And yes. that's what we remember. Um, that sequence right there, it, it was a run that was stuffed. It was a pass to the outside to a true freshman tight end. That, that, that was held. Uh, there's a clear picture floating around the Internet of the, the Washington State defensive back tugging on Josh Palo's, uh jersey. And then another run that didn't work in a field goal. Right within that little series encapsulated so many things. You talked about the ability of Sam Darnold to run the football. Boy, an RPO with Sam right in that situation has worked before. Um, <laughs> no fullback in, in in that situation, yeah, and you get yeah. a field goal, and you you miss an opportunity to go up twenty one ten on the road. Uh, give your thoughts on what happened right there, and that mindset of what happened there. This is USC football. USC football. Just a couple of weeks ago, you demonstrated USC demonstrated against against a power team like Texas, 
and against a power team like Stanford, that they are very more than capable of lining up in short yardage and getting those necessary uh, necessary yardage. So you can't tell me that in your playbook you don't have a design play that could get you three yards. And if, you, if you're not comfortable, once again, with um, your personnel, put, keep the ball in Darnold's hands. Trust his judgment. You put the weight of the world on his shoulders anyway, you might as well give him the best opportunity. Because, once again, they had a very – it was an effective opportunity for them to really put some distance between them and Wazoo. And they didn't do it. They failed to do it. By settling for a field goal, you conceded. You, you, the, the, the defense feels like they won especially after a turnover where a team has oftentimes dejected. That bothered me more than anything else because that is not the type of USC football that I've grown accustomed to seeing, nor is it the same USC football brand that I've been sold on by Coach Hilton. I know that this coaching staff is the right coaches for this job, so I'm not even going to question that. They've proven that. But what bothers me most is, don't lose sight of who you are when you're against, when you're feeling uh, duress and the adversity is facing you right, right in, um, in the eye. Please do not lose sight of who you are. There are running packages that you've implemented, this team has implemented, that, that would have been more effective than what we've seen. So, yes, my frustrations, I sympathize with, with all of our message, um, the message war questions. I'm scratching my head the same way, and I can't wait to find out what answers we're going to get this week. And, and before we move on to that, I just you brought up an interesting point, and that is the mindset of the defensive players when they felt like they got a win. They get, they get the offensive ball back, and I, I can imagine how you're feeling if you're on the sidelines. It has to be a little bit deflating at that moment. That's a very interesting uh, point that you make. Uh, let, let's, they're let's they're undersized we... defensive line. Undersized. Yes, yeah. they feel like they got a victory. Yeah. Um, moving forward. Okay, you, you come back. Uh, Helton gave the players Saturday and Sunday off. You come back with Oregon State next week. Is this as much of a chance? You have your loss right now. Is this a chance to get a breather? And one of the loads on you, the, the, the load of all the talk of the, the win streak and the fact that you haven't really played well, in the, you know, haven't you played your best game, I guess, yet so far this year, is all that pressure off? and you can now take a breath this weekend and move forward and play some football, or does it expose some pretty legitimate questions that are going on right now? Well, I think that, that those are great questions, Gary, because from my perspective, I think what it does is, first and foremost, it sheds light on some areas that you really need to work on, but because of the success that you're having, you, you typically – coaches don't want to alter that. They don't want to impact that because there's too much on the line. But when you have a loss, it virtually takes the pressure off of you because for a week or two, you know, the nation is not spotlighted on you. So now you can go back to cleaning things up. And this week, more so than ever, given the players two days to breathe, reflect, and then come back fresh, I think you have to treat that as a mini by week and really kind of polish things up. I've always felt um, that there's some tendencies that you develop in the first half of the season that a bye week allows you to clean up, sharpen up for the second half. They don't have the luxury of a full week to make those changes. 
but I would like to see them get back to fundamental football and just being great at what they do best instead of these trick plays and things like that. I think a week like this allows them to clean that up, Gary. We'll look forward to seeing the response uh, next Saturday, that's for sure. Again, the Oregon State Beavers coming to town, and again, Oregon State is uh, is struggling right now, so this, this could be the perfect timing to see them come in and uh, and take care of some business. Okay, for Darrell Rodeau, this is Gary Pasquitz. You're listening to the Sunday Morning Cornerback and the We Are SC Podcast.